Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. Thank you very much for freeing up the time. My name, of course, is still Paul Madot. Today, I have Danny Mathis. He is VP of Sales coming to us from Performance Food Service in Southern California. Danny, mid-March, man, how are things? Thanks for having me, Paul. Things are things are very, very well uh, crazy because of where we are today in the nation and, uh, you know, reacting to the the fluctuations of pandemics and shutdown and reopens and so on and so forth. Uh, being in the food industry, I'm frontline, so I'm constantly in the mix of what's happening right now. Uh, but with that said, there's so many positives that are taking place um, that are, are just, they're really outweighing the negatives. And uh it's an exciting time to live in. Awesome. Uh, well, listen, I appreciate you being here. Do me a favor, say hi to everybody, and then we'll get into your story. Great. Uh, my name is Danny Mathis. I'm the Vice President of Sales for Performance Food Service in Southern California. Uh, I'm a family man, um, wife and two daughters. Uh, I spend probably most of my time that's not working uh, with them. Um, softball coach. Um, I also do uh, pretty much my my coaching career or my or my parenting uh, uh involvement in sports kind of it surrounds what my children do um but yeah that's me uh papa bear and uh and hard worker how long did it take you danny to figure out that the toilet seat has to go down you know i so i'm i'm one of four boys <laughs> and then my brothers had boys and when i was told i was going to have a daughter i was freaked out i had no idea what to do i'm not even joking you i went and took classes on how to be a father of a daughter and and it is still something that every new cycle of their life comes up, and I think I'm ready for it. Yeah. I'll tell you, Paul, I'm not. I'm not. I gotta. I gotta adapt, and I gotta adapt fast. Well, I appreciate you being here, man. Uh, let, let's jump into your episode. So, as you know, the title of the podcast is "Your Intention Matters." Nothing's really given to any of us, and it all kind of starts with what's up top with our mindset and our intention. And if you're ready to go, let's get into it. Absolutely, let's do it. All right, here we go. So let's go back. I don't know, call it even 20 years ago. Let's go back to Brooks College. And and of course, if we need to go back further, we can. But let's go back to Brooks. And uh, you, you, you're in your education. What were you taking? And did you have any vision for what you thought you might be doing once you got out there? So, Paul, I'll tell you, that's probably a perfect place to start. Um, Brooks College, at the time, uh, prior to that, I was uh, I was in illustrator, an illustrator for various uh, uh, producers that just wanted, you know, small time work on storyboards and so on and so forth. Uh, I also took a lot of drafting in high school and uh, in going into it, though, my my passion was always how to get messages, messages across. And also, I, I did like the art side of it. So I enrolled and went to and graduated from Brooks Art School. And uh, my degree is marketing and design. Um, during that time, I utilized uh, my ability to be able to work at restaurants to be able to support myself and pay for my tuitions. Mm. Um, what I found from working at restaurants was I absolutely loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the fast pace. I loved the ever change. I loved uh, have you know the ability to really believe in a product that you have and get that message from the from our chef's mind through my words to the customers. 
Um, I loved, I loved the late hours. I loved, uh, you know, the long hours. There wasn't a, there wasn't much about it that I didn't like. Uh, so when I got out of, uh, out of college, I started working for a company called asking.com. I still worked for, um, restaurants at the time I was working for a company called uh, rock bottom brewery. And, uh, and that was, that was something that within a short period of time, I realized that as much as I had just spent, you know, a good amount of money and, and several years, uh, putting myself through college to be able to get my marketing and design degree. Um, my passion really was, was restaurants. And that kind of is what kicked this whole, uh, career off. So, okay. So it's interesting because, you know, as a patron of restaurants outside of obviously the last year or so, but, uh, it, it looks like a really like rough gig in some circles where it's almost like as an outsider, I would think it's almost like a little bit of a thankless job because, you know, you only really get feedback when it's negative more so than when it's kick ass. And so uh, what were you doing when, when you were actually working in the restaurants? Were you serving? Were you hosting? Were you in the back room? Like, what were you up to when you were in the pits? So I've gone through the gamut. Um, I, a matter of fact, I started as a line cook and throughout high school, I was somewhat of a shy kid. You wouldn't know it being that I'm one of four brothers. And uh, by the time it got to me, we were very popular with our last name. But at the end of the day, it was it was it was hard for me to get in front of people. So I was comfortable in the back. Mm. And uh, at the time, I worked for a company called um, all of, I'm sorry, uh, Darden Restaurants. And, uh, and the one that I specifically worked for was red lobster. And at the time, one of the regional managers came up and said, Hey, we want to have that guy in the front. So we, I ended up being uh, a host. And then I was the, um, basically the, the manager of the, uh, customer facing hosting period of that. And throughout the course of my career within restaurants, I've gone all the way from line cook to KM, which is kitchen manager to host, to server, to bartender, to bar manager, to GM, to regional GM. Uh, me and uh, a brother and some other uh, gentlemen ended up purchasing in and getting involved in a company called Irish Holdings. So then we were involved with the management of individual LLCs on more of an executive style level, but still always maintained very boots on the ground type of a mythology. So uh, even though I was in that that realm, a lot of my my I guess involvement was the actual runnings of the restaurants. Um, that, like you had said, you said, you know, it's, it's kind of faintless. It seems like for the most part, you only hear the, uh, input when the input's bad, um, which is true, which is very true. But if you start realizing what that is and you start tracking what those comments are that are coming back, you can start attacking the issue before it's an issue and start taking away those, those negative comments. And then at that point, it's more or less teaching your team kind of, uh, I always called it drinking the Kool-Aid, got everybody involved thinking the exact same way. Uh, their job and their brand is the best that in the, in the, in the industry. And they're just become a ton of little promoters. So towards, uh, towards the end of my restaurant career, I would say that, uh, that I was very much, um, in the business of getting everybody to drink the Kool-Aid so that we mm. could grow the business as a team rather than as an individual. You know, Danny, you, you stayed w under the same umbrella under food service for it looks like most of your career from what I'm what I'm learning about you a little bit here. Um, but when did you get out of the actual frontline restaurant game? And when did you get into, uh, I guess, the sales of, of uh, sales side of things from a from a food service perspective? When did that happen? Absolutely. So that happened in 2015. And um, prior to that, 
uh, as stated, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the restaurant industry and I got to travel quite a bit for uh, new concepts and new openings and so on and so forth. Hmm. And uh, in 2000 and um, in 2000 and uh, what was it? Nine, my first daughter was born. And during that time, there was about a, about a two year hiatus where um, I was still traveling. I was still doing restaurants. I still loved what I did, but I started realizing that I was missing out on such vital time of my daughter's life. Yeah. And, uh, and there was a, there was a, there was one instance that I remember, whereas I was coming from a work trip, I came home, my flights were delayed. I came home late. Um, so my daughter was already asleep and I ended up going to bed. I had to get up early the next day to be able to go out, which was contrary to the plan. I was planning on coming home early and being able to spend the whole day with, uh, with my wife and my, my daughter didn't end up happening. Well, in the morning, my daughter gets up at this point, she's two plus she's starting to put some sentences or some words together. And she, in a very broken manner, was able to ask me if I was leaving again. And uh, I'll yeah, tell you, I mean, I knew she was, yeah, I knew she was forming words, but the fact that she had the cognizant ability to be able to actually ask me a question and articulate it really broke me. So that was, that was kind of the stint where I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out of working directly for restaurant groups and I'm going to start doing consulting, which I did for about a year and a half. And then at that point, I realized that that game was very difficult as well, because there's a lot of moving parts. And if you're not 100% part of the team, and I know this is kind of uh, an oxymoron, you think if people are paying you to teach you how teach them how to run their business or help with their business, that they would listen to you. Um, but that wasn't always the case. Right. A lot of times they just kind of wanted you there to say that they did something about yeah. it, I think. Yeah. Um, and so then I looked for something that was going to be a bit more stable, but it was still going to be in the wheelhouse that I loved. And I had worked with Cisco's and I worked with us and I worked with Shamrock. So I had a lot of, uh, a lot of friends and acquaintances in the, in the food service industry, but there was one that was on the horizon. And that one was uh, PFG at the time it was Roma and Vistar and, and performance food service had just basically been an idea. Uh, it just kind of come into fruition. You saw them, but a lot of the operating companies that were food, uh, performance food service were still under their original name. And uh, at that time, U.S. Foods and Cisco was about to merge or in the process of trying to merge. And I started looking across the nation and trying to really pinpoint on if that merger took place, in my mind, that would be probably the closest thing to a monopoly within this industry that we you can you know you can think of. So, what other company would be strategically aligned to be able to take advantage of that? Is they would no doubt end up cutting some of the resources because they don't have a reason to have two operating companies in the same city or the same county. Uh, and what came up was performance food service. So I started doing a lot of due diligence on performance mm -hmm. food service, performance food group, I should say, and realizing that they just had acquisition after acquisition after acquisition. And realistically, they were, they were perfectly placed for that expansion opportunity, not to mention that there was a lot of grumblings at the time that they were going to release their IPO and go public. And so I actively pursued getting into performance food service, which is where I am today. And how long was that process from when you actually made the mental decision to do this to when you actually started your first day on the job? Paul, I'll tell you what, it was a while. Uh, I would say it was probably about six months. And, uh, that's and a long stretch. That was, yeah. Yeah. I really, really wanted to work with performance food service. And, and I'll tell you, I had, uh, I had offers from other food companies, 
but my whole goal was to get in and accelerate, put, you know, pedal to the metal and get to a place, an executive point very rapidly. And coming from where I was in restaurants, even though food service is so close to the restaurant industry, it's still a different uh, per se industry. So I had to start somewhere down the totem pole. And uh, so when I ended up going into that, I couldn't get the, the company to hire me. Uh, they, uh, they said I didn't have, um, experience. I didn't have a book of business built in. So I had to go through the HR interviews three times and then finally just found my way to the operating company. I had read a bunch of text there. I mean, uh, uh, e-messages and a bunch of social media messages and looked at all these, uh, um, Google sites and, and, you know, basically everything I could find. And I ended up finding a couple names of a couple people, and I went down to the operating company, and that's how I found my way in. I said, hey, guys, I'm here to meet so-and-so. Um, they let me in. That person wasn't there. I wrote them a note saying, listen, you don't know me, but if you give me five minutes and you still don't want me to be part of your team, you can just rip this number up. No big deal. And uh, long story short, I did get a call back, and he said, you know, Danny, I, I love what you're about. They, we do have a policy. We're only, we're only hiring uh, seasoned sales folks with books of business. Um, but I, I see the value in you. So what I want to do is I want to put you in front of our president and uh, see what he thinks. And then that was a process that took uh, three different times where he wasn't able to meet with me. He wasn't able mm-hmm. to meet with me. And then finally, the third time uh, he came out and he said, I am so sorry. It's been a long time. I know you've been very patient. Thank you for continuing to come back. Let's go ahead and sit down. And we sat down and he asked me, Danny, what made you want to get into food service? And I said, no, you know, with all due respect, it's not food service I'm looking to get into. What I'm looking to get into is working for PFG because of where PFG is going. And then I went into a whole dissertation of all the data that I had reviewed and the direction I believe that they're going and how I would fall into that that picture. And you closed your first sale without even realizing. I closed my first sale getting me. Oh, no. I realized that there was a lot of prep. I had uh, I had everything set up for that potential meeting that didn't exist yet. So let's talk about your, uh, your run here uh, at Performance uh, Food Service. I don't imagine you started as VP Sales? No, I did not. Um, I was somewhat of a renaissance man. The president at the time had said, hey, you know what? I, I like you. I don't know where I'm going to put you. Matter of fact, I don't even have a spot for you, but I like you. I'm, I'm going to bring you in. And, and I had told him at the time, I said, look, if you need to bring me in and have me sweep the floors, I'll sweep the floors. Give me an opportunity, mm-hmm. and I guarantee to you that I will I will succeed in rising through the different chains, and uh, and you're going to like what you see. So they brought me in as a uh, as a regional coordinator with the potential of being a regional manager, which meant I was going to be account facing on contracted business that is considered house accounts. And uh, but I was going to be closely monitored. Uh, I was basically going to be the right hand of a true account manager. And uh, so I did that for a couple months and apparently made some very good decisions and was able to manage accounts uh, in a manner that allowed me to move into the regional manager position. Um, And uh, the the, you know, it was the, the comments around the opco was that I was the translator for the company. Uh, basically, even though the perform uh, the food service and restaurants work so close together, the expectation on food service uh, of what the customer needs in restaurants is far different oftentimes than what the customer needs from the food service. And the lingo 
of how they ask for it is, you know, similar enough that you should be able to grasp it. However, if you haven't worked in both fields, um, it's very easy to misunderstand what what the need is. So uh, that became very, very easy for me to do. So I, be, I was put on the uh, customer service board of excellence. Uh, then I moved into the regional manager position within a year. Um, I ended up taking over as the multi-unit uh, manager for the department. Um, within the next following year, uh, I became the director of national sales, followed by the director of corporate uh, sales and multi-unit accounts. Um, following that, I moved into the following year, director of business development and uh, product alignment, and then the next year moved into uh, vice president. And so th this has now been what, six? Do I have my math right? Five six, or six years. years? Yep. So six years now. Six years. And, and you said that before this, you became a dad, I guess, was that for the first time? And are you a that dad? That was the first time. Are you dad a second time in, in the six years with performance as well? I am. So okay. my second daughter was born uh, during the time that I was selling myself to the company. Gotcha. Um, okay. That was, and that was another driving force was that, that at that point, it was no longer something I wanted to do. It was something I had to do. And I was yeah. not going to allow them to say no to me. You know, I was just going to ask you about that because, you know, your, your motivation changes as, as you age and different experiences. And when you're single versus not single, married, dad, and so on. And I think about my motivations over the years are vastly different today at 47 than they were when I was 27 because just of where I'm at in my life. And, and so it's, it's pretty cool to hear that you had this vision for working for this company. And I have no doubt that your progression has all been earned, but it's pretty cool to hear that it's actually, it sounds like it's panning out exactly the way you thought it might, given what you thought this company really was for you. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's been, it's been a 100% blessing from God. Uh, one thing I did, and it's, and it's not, you know, it's not like, to your point, it's not like anything was handed. A matter of fact, to the contrary, it was something that from day one, uh, it was, no, I'm sorry, you don't have the qualifications for this. And what I learned right. early on, yeah, what I learned early on is, is if you have the ability to be able to succeed or complete the projects and expectation, and the drive to not take no for an answer, you can get just about anything you're trying to get. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get it when you want it. Right. That doesn't even mean you're going to get it how you want it. But you will get that as long as you continue moving forward. And you don't allow, and when I say you don't, you know, you don't accept no for an answer, that's more than just no from the potential company you want to work for or more yeah. from the account that you want to close. That's for you as well. You cannot say no uh, to the ability, your ability to be able to produce. Um, Art Williams was uh, founder of um, one of the uh, insurance companies, uh, Prime America, I think. And one of the things that he used to say, and I mean, it always stuck with me, is all you can do is all you can do. And if you ask 10 people what that means, I would be willing to bet you that probably seven to eight of them are going to mean, oh, well, you shrug your shoulders and all you can do is all you can do. Yeah. Where the reality is, there's probably one to two that are going to turn around and say, no, no. What that means is all you can do is all you can do. You do everything you can possibly do. And then you leave it on the table. If you cannot physically, mentally do anything else, then you've succeeded in what you're trying to do. And I've got to be honest, going into any, everything that I do with that attitude, there's very little that we haven't been able to succeed on. Yeah, I love it.
I love it. Danny, let's talk about the, the last year, because I know that you're in your in your role for under a year. And the last 12 months globally have been obviously choppy waters. And I imagine that your company and industry have been impacted as a result of, you know, what's happened with Corona and COVID and so on. But then you take a new job and you're now running sales, you know, and have a pretty good, you know, number of people underneath your, your leadership here. And talk to me about the last year. How, how have you handled it? So I'll tell you, it's been, it's been exciting. It's been demanding. It's been frustrating at times. Um, but at the end of the day, it has been, it has been an experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. Mm. Um, when, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was the uh, director of business development. And, um, prior to the pandemic, what that meant was I had a really nice plushy life because I made up my own schedule. I talked to the customers I wanted to talk to. I brought the suppliers in that I wanted to bring in. Uh, there was a lot of control on my part when, uh, when everything shifted, we had about $16 million worth of product that we could no longer sell under the, the current format of how we stock it and sell it. So it very quickly became my job to transform our company from a food service company to more of a retail distributor uh, that's designing or aligning all of the new contacts, uh, getting a lot of our larger like box beef and things into right. co-packers to repack the products into smaller retail sizes, getting with community outreach uh, companies and nonprofit organizations, food prep companies. And we really, in, a, in about three months, turned the company around to where if you had been there six months prior and walked in, it would look like a different company. Um, then hmm. fast forward six more months, things started to open back up and then it was a, a move and transition back. Um, and then it was at that point that I had worked with so many of the other uh, sales folks outside of the scope of just standard business development multi-unit that, uh, that my, my boss and then his bosses approached me and said, hey, here's the direction we would like to go. Um, obviously, I went through an interview process. They moved me into the position. I backfilled myself with some great talent. And uh, since then, we've been able to look at things a little bit different. Um, most of what we do is try to maintain our business, um, which normally uh, new accounts is the lifeblood of your organization. Now, that's not to say we diminished our ability to go after new business and we don't try to always keep our funnel full. But the reality is, is as we're holding on to these company, companies, we're making sure that every drop matters, every concern matters, every uh, opportunity with a new customer, which there is, we're not in a short demand of opportunity because every, every restaurant is trying to figure out how to get through this. And that means new products and new understandings and so on and so forth. So we've been able to take uh, what was looking to be a disaster, pretty much flatline it out where we're now starting to see uh, increases year to date over prior year. But for the majority of the year, it's been a roller coaster where we're under black, over black, under black, over black. But the exciting thing is yeah. that throughout all that, we were able to identify the areas that would normally we would be hemorrhaging from or we would be losing money from, uh, cut those out. And this right now is turning out to be one of our more profitable years just because of uh, our ability to be able to mitigate our losses and maintain our sales. You know, Danny, man, you've had quite the ride here. We go back 20 years and you have a passion for the arts and then that kind of leads to storyboards for restaurants. And you're like, okay, I actually like this industry. And then to the point where you run the gamut from, you know, in the back to the front and traveling. And then you have a moment with your daughter where at a very young age in her life, 
all she knows is that dad goes away more often than mom. And you're like, oh, wait a second. That's not really the way I want to show up to my kid. How do I fix this? And then you, you're, you're pretty diligent and intentional about making sure that you, you know, get in with the company that you're in with right now. And to your point, uh, have earned a lot along the way, another daughter uh, in the interim. And here you are now running the show from a, a VP of sales perspective. And so congrats on what you've been able to create up until this point uh, in your career thus far. It's been great to hear, man. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very yeah, you much. It's, uh, it's been exciting. You know, I always like to ask anybody who's a guest on the podcast if there was a piece of advice or feedback, you know, uh, what would you share? Like, what's been your foundation kind of as your bedrock? Honestly, know your direction. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be uh, 100% clairvoyant in what the future is going to hold, but know where you want to go. And when you do decide where you want to go, do your due diligence. Find out every bit of information you can. Know your customer. Know your career. Know your opportunity. Be a, be a professional or uh, um, have a sense of almost like a, 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 an ability to consult on that matter. And then don't take no for an answer. Drive and continue to drive until you either, one, can't drive anymore, or two, get what you want. And I'll be honest with you, you're probably going to get your want, what you want a lot more than not be able to succeed. Danny, man, I appreciate the time, man. It's been great getting to speak to you. Paul, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. You bet. All right, everybody, let's wrap up another episode. Remember, your intention matters. Why? Because that is the result you will tend to get. We're out of here. We'll do it again next week. Be safe and let's go Raptors.